Welcome to your second favorite podcast behind Stacking Benjamins, Listen Money Matters. Also, Joe, you're a dick. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking on this uh, second-rate podcast of ours? Ah, man. Uh, You know, I was really good (laughs) the first time that we recorded this, and then when my computer rebooted, uh, I'm a little less good. But I'm drinking a Victory Wild Devil Ale. Uh, damn tasty. That sounds tasty. Well, how much of that is gone now? Um, About half. <laughs> so you should be about 50% happier now, right? True, actually. I, I'm, a 50%, I'm 50% more wild right now. <laughs> <laughs> this this one's just going to be a lot crazier now. Like, we're both just... No, we're not drunk, but... <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking, sir? It sounds good. I'm drinking Hitachino Nest. Uh, it's a Japanese ale with spices and orange juice. I just found at the grocery store today, and it's got so it's got some kanji on here. I can't read, but I can read the katakana down here. So I will say that um, originally <laughs> when we recorded this, you said kanji, and I thought it was like a gummy bear or some kind of <laughs> something. I don't know. And you're like, you were and like, I said I have a lot to teach you. Yeah. So dear friend, it, you said much. it was like uh, characters, like uh, Chinese and 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 Japanese characters. Right, right. So I'll, I'll give you a hint here. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's three like alphabets or syllabaries in the Japanese language: katakana, hiragana, and kanji. Can you remember why this happened? So if I remember correctly, you had said that um, the the Chinese uh, Empire, as they've come and gone, they keep getting destroyed, and so they keep just saying like whatever we did before was garbage, and then just like start over from scratch. So that's why there's is is that kind of right? Sort of, yeah. So, I mean, you know there's been several different dynasties over mm-hmm. China's history. Like Speaking empires, of the Wrath families. of Khan, they they toppled at least one. Well, yeah. Well, the, the Yuan dynasty was actually Mongol, uh, ruled by Mongols. Huh. So, in, in a way, and I haven't um, read past anything that Dan Carlin talked about in his Wrath of the Khan series, so I don't know much about the Yuan dynasty, mm. but from my understanding of what he said, the Yuan dynasty evolved from the Mongol, part of the Mongol empire. And so a lot of those Mongols sort of went native, became Chinese, ended up ruling China for an entire dynasty. Uh, all that aside, though, as these dynasties have risen and fallen, you get these new kanji that are introduced. The empire, you know, creates new standardized languages, ways of writing. And as people immigrate to Japan, they bring them with them. And Japan just gets all these different kanji from different dynasties over the years so, and they just get this crazy language made up i'm curious is this like why there are so many dialects or like why people from one part of china can't speak with another part um honestly i'm not sure so but i'll go look that up because <laughs> <laughs> now you got me curious so yeah i've always wondered why there's like cantonese and mandarin and all those kind of things and maybe a listener can educate us yeah please i know my uh, my friend kelby he was the he was dating one of the people I was at RA with in college, and mm. he went to live in China, and now he has a Chinese language learning blog. So huh. maybe I could ask him. But anyway, we have that, and then there were these uh, vocal languages in Japanese, and from them stemmed these uh, two shorter syllabaries of only about 40 characters each, uh, hiragana and katakana. And I know those two, and I can read those two slowly, but I can read them. And I can't read very many kanji. There's like 10,000 kanji, and I can read maybe 200. So, so, but it is my goal one day to do the the intro for this podcast <laughs> in Japanese. And 10 people, maybe, <laughs> if that, <laughs> will get it. <laughs> so, so, ready, watch this. Uh, um, speaking of Japan, 
And since you've been to Japan, <laughs> uh, you love how I segue, right? I, this second try right here. Um, <laughs> I, I found out that you went to Japan on your impossible list, which I found in your blog. But, are we, we going to try to redo organic segues? No, no, I'm just, I'm just that good. Where they, ever, all of my segues are just so cutting and, and unnatural. No, but I just, I still want to make fun of you for being on a Segway. Oh, talk, yeah, talking about Segways. <laughs> I was on a Segway. Were you, were you guys like on vacation or something when you did that? Yeah, so so we've done it twice. The first time we did it was DC, and then we really like up the ante, and like Laura had a, a helmet mounted GoPro. Um, we did that in Copenhagen. If you're friends with me on Facebook or, or friend me, you could see all of my my pictures of absolute nerdity. But it was really freaking awesome, actually. Are you gonna do like the Copenhagen Segway highlights? Yeah, I, you know, I, together. Yeah, so I, I not only like was it awesome, and you, we saw a bunch of stuff, and you know, it's kind of like from Laura's perspective. Uh, kind of, it is from Laura's perspective on her head. Um, there's one point where the ground, like the sidewalk, they have like these waves in the sidewalk, and um, on the Segway, like it's really cool to just do stuff. And the guy's like, "Oh, you know, every once in a while, I go over, you know, these humps in the Segway, and it's like kind of like it, it's flat in the beginning, and it becomes like a, a much bigger wave towards the end. So the dude who's been doing it like his whole life, basically, or for years, he goes over like the middle of the thing. Laura, um, she goes over like the very low end because she's like so not risky, <laughs> and I'm like because well, I'm just retarded or I don't know whatever. I go over the top <laughs> end of it, and the thing is with the Segway. You have to lean forward to go faster. Yeah. And because the hump is really high, I had to lean forward a lot. And then once I got to the top of the thing, I was leaning forward like a lot. So then it goes like really fast. And then the Segway spun out and I, I fell off the Segway like and just uh, good thing I was wearing a helmet. Um, yeah, dude, I bet. But I'll totally dude, slice that up so people can mock me. You, know, you and but- I need to go skiing then. Dude, because I love skiing. We're both like similarly risky and and foolhardy. Yeah, dude, I go over like jumps and like half pipes and stuff. I, I don't even know what my problem is. Cannot wait to go back. Ah, I'm just split. remembering. I'm just remembering that we should equally sloppily as we did the first time we recorded <laughs> this. Now, like, what is it? It's like nine minutes in. Tell everyone why we. Um, oh why we- yeah, why we had our we were forced to. No, I mean why we had to sincerely. Tell everybody why our favorite podcast. Why we're a second-rate podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So I wasn't part of this. Uh, I was not the host at this point. So fill me in, man. So back uh, at the end of the year, last year, I had met Joe Salcihai, the the creator of Stacking Benjamins in person. And he told me uh, his son is doing this like ridiculous bike ride. It's like an ungodly amount of miles, like 4,000 or I don't even know, like too too much, too many miles. And it's like like Texas to Canada or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was like Texas to like Alaska or some crazy thing. It's like, I think it's like they call the Texas 4,000. It's already a while ago, but it's like 4,400 miles or like something. Mm. And um, basically it's like for cancer and he was accepting donations. And I wanted to um, extol the virtues of donating and charity. And I also wanted to, you know, do that, excuse me, myself. And so um, we we started up like a a friendly uh, bet where like we would have two separate donation pools and whoever had the most donations would be able to make the other person start their podcast saying like whatever they wanted. And I was, I was like 99.9, like 99999% certain that we would just like whip his ass. <laughs> um, and so I was like mocking him on the show. And uh, anyways, um, we lost. 
<laughs> and so we we now have to say at the beginning of the show how great Stacking Benjamins is, and, and basically whatever Joe wants us to say. Well, never underestimate the bond of kin, my friend. That's true. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe is like going door to door, like selling chocolate bars or something. Just let's beat with some money matters, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he saw whatever gap there was the day before and just donated that, like plus a dollar of his own money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's probably good because you know he came up with some embarrassing intros for us to give, but. Um, we have no shame. So I would have made him. I would have made him a lot more embarrassing for him. Oh yeah, yeah. and we do have no shame on this podcast. <laughs> That's why I joined. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, maybe we should have a little bit of shame, mm. so we don't just bullshit about beer and making fun of Joe the entire time. Uh, what are we talking about this episode? Yeah, so uh, we're going to call it the evolution of resolutions and. You know, every year I've done like the traditional, you know, create a, a resolution. You know, I have like these five or six things. I write it on a piece of paper, stick it in my wallet and proceed to like do them for a few weeks and then mourn over that I didn't do them like 11 and a half months later. And so uh, you like legit get up on January 1st and make them for the new year. Like I do them like right before New Year's and like, oh. you know, it's usually I would sit down with like, you know, Laura or my family or friends and, you know, come up with them. It was always like a fun thing. And okay. um, I was kind of getting tired of just not doing them because like the failure can only sting so much, you know, <laughs> or actually it could keep stinging. But um, then, then I met you and you you're like all about habits. So I'm like, you know what? I want to try this differently. And so I'm trying a different approach. And uh, you have a dramatically different approach. So I kind of want to talk about those two approaches and how to, like, actually, you know, do the things that you want to do um, better, I guess. Okay, yeah. And this would be cool because I've never done a New Year's resolution. Which I thought was completely weird <laughs> the first time that we recorded this. And now I'm a little used to it. But, yeah. but why? Um. You know, I don't know, like the closest thing I ever did was I've been in school for most of my life at this point. Mm. uh, And most semesters I would be like, you know, all gung ho about reading my textbook assignments and keeping on top of that. You know, like I'm never I've never been the kind of person who doesn't do homework, but Mm. I definitely am the kind of person who would just skip reading assignments if I don't have to do them. So the beginning of every semester, I would always be like, all right, yeah, I'm going to do them all. I'm going to sit on my couch and just make sure I get through every page of reading assignment. And then two weeks later, I slacked off and eventually just don't even open the book anymore um so that's the success of my version of new year's resolutions <laughs> as you may call them but what i do have and what has worked well for me over the years is something on my website called the impossible list sounds awesome go yeah. on <laughs> so uh and actually if you see on the homepage of college info geek i have this shirt that says impossible on it with a line through it and so this is from uh um, oh yeah a website of a guy named Joel Runyon and his website is I think it's impossiblehq.com but back in the day which was Wednesday uh, he had this this thing just called blog of impossible things and uh, I had him on my podcast a few weeks ago and he was talking about how he made this impossible list because he had graduated uh, college right in the middle of the recession couldn't find a job was living in his mom's basement and like everything was just like crap right and he's like I, I've got to get out of my mom's basement uh, I've been discovering all these guys like Sean Ogle and Chris Gillibo and doing all this like world travel and everything. And I'm just in my basement. So he made this impossible list 
which looks like a bucket list at first glance, but mm. it's a little different. Why? Because a bucket list, like, you know, a bucket list kind of is, it's like dream-based, right? Yeah, I, I always like, feel like it's morbid. You know, it's like, I'm 65, I could die tomorrow or whatever. Like, it's like a last, I almost feel like it's like a will. You know, it's... Yeah, something like that. Um, I guess I've never seen it as too morbid. I've kind of seen it as, like, exciting. But mm. it's also, it gets hopeful to a fault. Like, right. I hope I'll do these cool things before I die. I hope I'll go skydiving and, and visit China and, uh, you know, be able to run 10 miles. But it's not really action-based. Or, and, like, measurable. I mean, I guess it is. It's somewhat measurable, but not enough. Mm. Um, and people just think, like, oh, it's so cool. And they get excited when they make it. And they start, like, having all these dreams. And maybe they cross some things off. But that's kind of where it ends, right? Mm. Most people don't do anything more. Well, the Impossibilist is more of like an evolving, active, um, kind of an overview, top-level guide for what you value and what you want to do with your life. It is, at least it is for me. It, like Looking at your list, it's almost like a way to, to track like your life achievements and make sure that mm. you're hitting like and you know crossing the T's, dotting the I's on, on all the things you actually want to do. Yeah, and it, it's, it's pretty big. So I guess one thing I want to say up front is I don't want to like perpetuate the idea that my life is only driven by goals and achievements mm. because I do think there's a lot of value in just living in the present and having fun and hanging out with friends and everything. And I, I try to balance that. I'm not, I'm not as good as I should be. Um, but I do think it's good to have goals and also uh, track them. So what you see there is there will be things crossed off, but under a lot of them are iterations upon those past goals. So if I achieve one thing, then I'll ask myself, could I take this further and do I want to take it further? You know, I finally was able to run a 5K uh, back in 2011. So now I'm like, okay, maybe I could do it in less than 25 minutes because I think it was like 30-minute 5K so at like, the time. For example, I see on your list it says do a triathlon and then underneath it it says now do a real organized one. Yeah. Well, it's funny because <laughs> Joel's first goal in his impossible list was do a triathlon. Mm. And he was like, there's no excuse not to do this because I can literally go outside in my front yard and just like run, run around the block, get on my bike and then go down to the pond or the, the lake and swim what I think is a distance of triathlon and say I did it. Mm. Uh, and now like from those humble beginnings, he put that on his list. He crossed it off. He started making new goals. Now he's doing Ironmans oh, wow. uh, and like ultra marathons and um, 777 project which is like seven ultra marathons and seven continents to raise money to build seven schools with pencils of promise which is just incredible that is but i think it really shows the power of iteration and um it kind of goes back to the concept of success spirals that i've talked about where you get some confidence on a lower goal and then you use that to push yourself into a higher goal mm. that's what i do with my impossible list um it's really apparent on the youtube thing like get 250 subscribers was my initial goal and cross it off. Okay. Now let's do 500. That's done. Thousand done. 2,500 done, you know, just he, keep moving. Here, here's like my, my thing. Cause I think it's awesome. You know, as, as you go through life, you come up with these like things that you want to do and then you're, you're writing them down on a list. So one, you don't forget. And, and since it's public on your blog, you can hold yourself accountable and your, your audience can hold you accountable to make sure you do it. But uh, it's like a very long list, I mean, which, which shows that, you know, you're ambitious, you want to do all these things. But uh, for me, like, I, I become scatterbrained. Like, I, I have difficulty focusing as it is. How mm. do you, like, focus on that stuff? Like, how do you kind of know what to do next? Right. So, and that's a really, really good question. 
And I think if I was just using the impossible list and nothing else to track my progress, then I would get nothing done. Because it is like there's a lot of things on it. The way I wrote it was I sat down, I created the categories like travel, health, professionalism, all those things, and then just kind of brain dumped everything I wanted to do. Mm. But if you don't focus on one thing, you'll never get it done. Um, you 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 turn me on to that guy's blog, uh, Oliver Emberton, I think. Oh, yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, he had a really good post where he illustrated like three like three bugs in a beach ball or something. And like mm. each one's trying to go a different direction. And uh, <laughs> so the beach ball just stays stationary. Right. And I think that's what I would be like if I tried to do a lot of different goals. So I've had I've had numerous different systems over the years to focus on just a few at a time. There's one that was created by Zig Ziglar and adapted by Seth Godin called Pick Four, where it's, it's like a workbook where you choose four goals and then you commit to working daily on those four. And every single day you have to write down what you did for each one. Interesting. Um, that worked really well for me. My roommate Martin has been doing it I'm more than I have. I'm a big fan of, of Seth. And, and yeah. I actually want to wanna interject because I, I was reading – James Clear's best of 2014, whatever. I, I like totally get sucked into these best of things. And uh, one of the things, I forget, it was like um, how Warren Buffett achieves his goals. And it was uh, through a story of his personal pilot. He had gone to Warren and he's like, you know, I want to achieve all these things in my life, whatever. How did you do it? Like, and I guess if you consider like, you know, if success was measured by like a dollar number, he's potentially the most or one of the most successful people or investors. And so he goes to this guy and he's like, um, write down the 25 things that you want to do most, like your most important goals in life. And he goes, he writes them down, whatever. He comes back to him and he, he shows him. And now Warren's like, um, circle the, the five most important, like the, that like must be done like now and just have the biggest impact, whatever. So takes him forever. He, he circles the five. And now uh, Warren says, um, do those five. Th- these are like your five that you must do. And he's like, well, you know, like, what about all the other ones? He's like, those go on your avoid at all costs list. Mm. Because they're just going to distract you from actually achieving the things that you want to do. And it's, it's not that you... Um, can't or shouldn't do them or they're not good ideas, but you're just not ready to do them yet. I mean, you've basically decided that yourself. I thought that was really like powerful. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I actually really like that and it, it would be good for me to learn <laughs> because I get <laughs> it's on I my to do list. Is to, yeah. So many different things and I, like I'll see if somebody make like a cool rap song. I'm like, okay, now I want to be a rapper <laughs> or like now I want to be an illustrator. Now I want to go like get really into weightlifting again and yeah, you're right. Just like jumping back from and forth between all these different things gets you nowhere on any of them. I, I do want to add that um, while like the focus is important, like the spirit, I, I want to like embody the spirit of your impossibleness. And this is like kind of what I like about it is because it's not about just like focusing on like this one thing or these these five things or whatever. Because uh, well, well, let me let me read this quote at the bottom of your thing because I think this kind of embodies, um, at least, obviously your view, and and also I agree with you. Mm. So it says a human should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate 
act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. And that's by Robert Heinlein. And I just, that's like, I love that. And now you know who he is, right? Yes, and now now I know who he is because we recorded this already. Yeah. <laughs> About up to this point. So we'll go into uncharted territory. Yeah, but since our initial recording is not uh, existing anymore. I think this uh, one's better. He was, yeah, he was a science fiction writer. He wrote Stranger in a Strange Land. Um, was thought of as like one of the great science fiction writers of, I believe, like the 60s, 50s, that kind of era. Along with, um, oh, who else? Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov. Mm. so yeah um really awesome guy but i love that quote because you ever play like um rpgs with skill trees oh absolutely or like civ where you you have to you don't even get me started trees. about civ dude dude I, so- I think i've dedicated over 220 <laughs> hours to that so when, right before i fire the game up i see oh, that number damn. And it's like a huge decision point. Like, do I need to add another like 10 hours? <laughs> I haven't put as many hours in a Civ, but every time I look at the tech trees mm. or like if I'm playing um, the RPG, I think of as Rogue Galaxy. I love that RPG. It's not as well known for the PS2, but like mm. Final Fantasy is a good example, too. Um, you see the skill trees and I'm like, I want to do all those. Or like uh, in Borderlands 2, there's like three different skill areas that you start building up. And I'm like, oh, I want to do them all. Um, obviously you have to sort of pick one and get good like in every in decision that one. almost forces you like limits your future options and makes you kind of right i think you know i think in some games you can you can actually start filling out the other areas once you're good at one mm. but i think that uh that concept translates over to real life like um, skyrim be... you could play skyrim forever yeah i, I haven't played skyrim so i'm guessing like you can it's you, like, amazing build up skills but don't as, like an archer it. or like a do you have like the classes in that game then? You have classes, but you could eventually, if you actually dedicate enough time, I think you could hit 100% in every skill level. Okay. It would probably take you like years or something. I don't know. So, and obviously you can never hit 100% in every skill level in real life. Right. But what you can do is become like a T-shaped person where maybe you've specialized and gotten really, really good in a few areas, maybe just one area. But you also have that top part of the T where you've gotten some general like initial experience in a lot of different areas. So mm. you can do, you know, you can take orders, you can build the wall, you can program a computer, all those things. You're not so you're limited imagining to that one the skill tiny level. Thing. You're imagining the skill level of the T where the top of the T is a starting point and like the length of the T is like you growing one skill a lot, but you have a broad top. Yeah, so you've, mm. you've gotten, you've at least dipped your fingers into some other areas. So I don't want to be the kind of person who's like, I'm just a writer and if you ask me to cook a meal... I'm worthless. Mm. Or if you ask me to go like do some yard work or some landscaping, or if I need to fix my car, I can't do it. You know, I want to be a competent person. Mm. Um, like, a, like one of my role models is like Leonardo da Vinci. He was like a Renaissance man. He, he like dabbled his fingers in all sorts of areas. Like Thomas Jefferson, um, Ben Franklin was into like everything. Uh, one of my favorite superheroes is Batman. Mm. And actually my favorite superhero is a villain. I like Dr. Doom. Because, you know, we can get all into why Doctor Doom is awesome and maybe not even a villain, but but uh, it is undisputable that he is. He's misunderstood, is what you're saying. He, he <laughs> I would, I don't know if he's misunderstood. He was unfortunate to get such a bad but last name. He, he knows. He could have been like, you know, <laughs> I think Doctor Happy probably. Time. 
<laughs> that sounds a little more sinister. To be honest. <laughs> Seriously, you wouldn't even do Happy give me a time. back rub. Has shown up to New York City with an army of killer robots. Killer masseuses. At least Doctor Doom is like up front with you. You know, he's pretty honest about why he has this army of robots. Like but, he'll sit you down, tell you why he's gonna kill you, and then he kills you. Is yeah, but it's like so cool. He's like well read in like every subject. He like you know he's like magic. He's like technologically able to build things. Um, Batman's the same way. Like he he's got experience in almost every area. And I'm like I want to be that kind of person. You know. Mm. I want to have some level of competence in anything or have built like the mental models to be able to learn something quickly, no matter what it is. So that sort of drives the way that I set goals. But the problem with it is it makes me want to do everything all the time. So I I agree and I hear you. And I think that's like the five focus thing, like why that resonates. Because I I also want to do a lot of things because I go back to like movies like 21 Days Later. Mm. Um, and uh, let me just go into my, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you've already heard this. I'm going to torture you <laughs> again here. For a while. <laughs> no, but like I, I'm a computer programmer. I do all this data stuff and I'm like super specialized, super nerdy computer, blah, blah, blah. Um, during the zombie apocalypse, which could be here any day now, um, I'd probably be like the most worthless person in the tribe. Like I would probably be used for food as soon as food runs out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I would like to at least be able to, um, I don't know, start a fire or pitch a yeah. tent. Just like some basic survival skills. You know, I think we were talking about like bug out bags and stuff. Yeah. Like, nice stuff and like be able to know what you need to survive. Um, which being a data dude though, see, that's the cool thing. Like if you could get some like tertiary experience in a few other areas, you could use your know- your knowledge of data to be useful in another situation. That's true. Like if you got like scouting experience then you could track the populations of zombies in specific areas and like do statistical analysis on where they might move and where you can set the base. God, the problem is I'll have to do that. I'll have to do the math by hand. And, uh, you know, oh, I'm so great at stats and stuff like that, but adding and subtracting, it always evades me. That's another, that's another uh, goal of mine. I want to get good at math again. You know, I used to be good when I was like sixth grade and then I hit calculus and I was like, uh, don't care. <laughs> I like slogged through somehow calc two. And then that was just, oh, that was, that was the oh, peak of my, that. uh, dude, don't, I just don't, it's, I want it's to, not, though. um, not that it's know, not it's... useful or good. It just, I, I'm not a math person like that. Well, actually, okay. If I, if I, for whatever reason got crazy and decided to go to grad school, I think I would, excuse me, go for uh, statistics. Because it the data fascinates me, but I want to know like how to manipulate the numbers, understand the the concepts and all that kind of stuff. But math is cool, and like all these people say, "Oh, I'm not a math person," which is the same as what people say with like foreign languages. "Oh, I'm not a language person." Uh, no, you just haven't tried. Math <laughs> is hard, and it's hard for math people, quote unquote. It just takes a lot of work. Well, everything's hard until you spend a lot of time doing it. Yeah, it's true. So I was I was re- uh, writing my book. And I wanted to add a section about math. And that sort of made this connection from math to programming, which you probably know. When you're programming, you have these moments where you're like, you can tell that some like some piece of code is working and it's mm-hmm. doing what it's supposed to do, but you have no fucking clue why <laughs> until you like you read the docs enough and you look at the code and you like tweak things and ask questions, and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, now I get it. Oh my god. Like that's what math is like for me. You finally get it. You know, I was, I was reading this thing, and uh, they're saying 
um, you know, people are like, oh, well, like you have no imagination because you do math. I play the violin. So I'm the most imaginative, whatever. And they're, and they're actually like the dude, cause he was like a super math guy. He was responding. He's like, actually, no, because the violin exists. There are sets of notes and, you know, sequences of play and you can come up with new sequences, but you know, certain things sound good or don't sound good together. Math like just the concept of it, like when you learn it, when you practice it, it is all imaginary. You know, you're coming mm. with this like crazy scenario in your head. You're just making things up. And so it's almost like you could only be good at math if you have a good imagination, which, which I thought was, and I didn't do the whole story justice, but I thought that was very interesting. We should, we should find that. I should and find And maybe that. link to it. It reminds me a lot of uh, Richard Feynman's Ode to a Flower where he talks about his friend who is an artist and the artist is like, oh, I'm more imaginative and more emotional than you because I can picture the beauty of a flower. And Richard Feynman, who's a uh, physicist, replies, you know, I can also appreciate the beauty of a flower, but I can also appreciate the beauty of the uh, mathematical symmetry of the petals and the, the atoms interacting to create the structures and all that kind of stuff. So science is beautiful. You just don't realize it. And I think math is the same way. Mm. It can be beautiful, but it seems robotic and boring to people who have not gotten into it. So I, I want to tell people about my approach, or I, I read about it, you might have told me about it, or uh, something popped into my head like in December, and I thought it so was- So is this for goal setting? So this is this is in like a lieu of my New Year's resolutions. So okay. Because I kind of like that. I feel it's like good to kind of think forward, you know, you know, and then also at the end of the year to reflect on what you've achieved or haven't achieved. And um, the way I, the way I decided to go about it this year was instead of like, you know, five or whatever like full year resolutions, I was going to break it down by month and do monthly resolutions and make sure oh. that they're each measurable so that like I could gauge if I achieved it. And okay. since like we were kind of talking about habits and you've kind of gotten me into it, I figured I wanted to make that uh, like a pillar. Of like I wanted basically in January set some solid habits and then when I go to February I'll try and work on new habits under like the thought that I've solidified my January habits you know and that's awesome and I, and I actually like I didn't set too many because I don't want I want to set myself up to succeed and I figure um, if I can get it going like then I can get more ambitious so. For example, uh, you were telling us on episode two how you wake up like ungodly early and, you know, all this stuff. And I was just imagining if I actually got my ass out of bed, you know, just like an hour or so early, I could go to the gym. I could answer listener emails and not have not like respond a month later, however stupid I am with that. So I was like, you know what? Like I'll be more effective if I woke up earlier. So. I, my January resolution is to wake up at 7 a.m. at least three times a week. Okay. And then I have uh, go to the gym 13 times, which is roughly in January uh, three times a week. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that's like about half, maybe a little less than half of January. Yeah, and I figured, you know what, like if I can get to the half, and I think that I could beat it, and I want to set myself up to one at least achieve, but hopefully beat these things, you know, but like 13 times, it's it's not like go to the gym three times a week, and then I screw up last week, and I'm like, well, I blew this month, I might as well just, you know what, like uh, if I screw up last week, or I screwed up last week, this week, maybe I just have to go four times or five times, like I could still make it happen. Okay. So, you know, I'm hoping for that, and I've done it, uh, I think, two or three times already. We're, we're recording this, what is this, five days in. So I'm, yeah. 
I'm doing good. I've gone to the gym. I'm actually feeling like pumped. Um, so are you going to like a gym that's close to your apartment then? So it's, uh, I would say like six blocks away. And, and unlike New York Sports Club where it's like $50 billion to sign up, um, it's it's a plan of fitness. It costs $10 a month. They have like everything I could possibly need there. And it's just, yeah. So it's cheap. It's good. It's close. Nice. Did you happen to see the article about how like Planet Fitness like structures the layout of their gym to make you not want to go? Really? Yeah. It's it's really interesting because they they don't charge enough. Like the amount of people they need to pay that low ten dollars a month fee to pay their expenses, they could never accommodate that many people at a time. Mm-hmm. So like, and I've never been to Planet Fitness, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like you go in there and like the front has like like snacks you can get and like yeah. all the aerobic stuff and it's like nice and relaxing looking and like all the weight stuff is in the back like with all the scary people. Yeah, if I so want like to do heavy weights, I have to go like through the gym, up the stairs, across past the treadmills, like in the back. That's like where the – yeah, it's like pretty yeah. – yeah. So the way they structure it is like the stuff that would cater to the people who are hardcore and who would be you know, more likely to show up a lot mm-hmm. is way in the back and kind of downplayed because mm-hmm. – they make money on the people who show up, you know, they pay, they feel good they've paid because mm. like, oh, I'm paying, I'm going to go, right? But when, like, when you really think about it, 10 bucks a month is not a good motivator. So most people end up not going and that's mm. why they can afford to stay in business. So you have a little bit of work to do to like <laughs> plow past the psychology, but I think you can do it. Uh, as long as you make sure to go over to that hardcore section with all the weights and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't know, maybe you're doing the treadmill or something. Yeah, so I've been doing I've been doing like machines, me. treadmill, stationary. You know, I love the stationary bike. There's they have like a low rider one where you like kind of recline. So I'm like on there, I set it to like around the world so it'll show like you're you're biking over the Empire State Building, you're biking over the pyramid of whatever. And then I'll just like answer listener emails like while I'm biking. Dude. Mm. No machines, man. Squats and oats. Squats and what's an give me oats? some give me some bro science here. <laughs> there's, there's like the bodybuilding.com forums are hilarious and like jokes about the only way to get big is just to do millions of squats and eat lots of oatmeal. <laughs> just squats and oats. <laughs> but no, man, that's good. It's good. And uh, I will probably be texting you. Since because yeah. we're in different time zones, right? So if you're mm. getting up at seven, then that's right about the time that I get up actually. Because I get up at ah, six. True. So we should be getting up around the same time. Um, though I would say like, so what's what's your reasoning for only wanting to do it three days a week? Because personally for me, like if I let myself get up at a different time on different days, then it's like kind of harder to get back into the routine. Mm. So it's like different for you? It's it's twofold. Um, one is, is I really wanted to set myself up so that I can like meet and beat the goal. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need like success at my back, like, you know, just to kind of propel me forward. Like I did this, like I could do that, you know, and keep going. And, and part of it is also like, I want to do mornings, especially during the work week, but I, I tend to work really well at like ridiculously late weird hours where like mm. I'll be up to like 3 a.m. and I'll be like in the zone. Like a mach- I'll be like insane. I'll get so much done and I don't want to like completely write that off as like okay. – so it might be like you know during the week I'm early. During the late I'm – during the weekend I'm not uh, – I can't even speak. During the <laughs> weekend I'm late. You know so – and I guess I'm going to see how it evolves. I don't I don't know – 
I mean, the, the main goal for me is to at least wake up and go to the gym. I, I okay. My health is important. So, oh, and you're only waking up an hour early, right? Well, or is it more? Yeah, yeah, it's about an hour early. I, I set my alarm for like seven thirty, and it becomes seven forty, and I'll get out of bed like by eight or something. Okay, that's probably fine. Mm. Cause, yeah, because I see I have the bad habit where I get up at five fifty every weekday, and a lot of Sundays as well. But then Saturday I won't. Like I'll be like, oh, I need to give myself a rest from everything, but then I'll sleep till like nine, <laughs> and it's like a three hour gap. Right. So um, now what I'm doing is just saying, you know what, I I never actually go to bed any later because I'm an old man or something. I don't know. <laughs> like Anna and I, at like 10:30, no matter what day it is. We're just oh like, wow! Oh god, we're so tired. Saturday night, 10:30. Let's go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you're waking up so. Because yeah, I also yeah. want to be able to like go out. Like I used to, I did a little bit of early back when I actually had to wake up for work, mm-hmm. and uh, I would be like out, you know, hanging out with people like 11 o'clock or 11, you know, 11 p.m. I'd be, like yawning and you know, like waiting for everyone to leave when the party's like just getting started. Yeah, yeah, that's that is me. You have just described me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think I've read something about how it's a lot healthier to stay on some sort of like good routine, like mm. of going to bed at a good time, like the same time, and and then getting up at the same time. And I usually go to bed within an hour, like time frame, like ten thirty to eleven thirty is usually when I end up hitting the hitting hey. But then, um, you know, five fifty without fail, the days I set my buffer alarm. And then Saturdays is like nine. So I'm getting this wildly varying sleep time on weekends and I don't want to have that anymore. So dude, let me I'm ask. I'm just going to get up on Saturdays and deal with it. What, what is your focus of this year? I mean, cause you have things that you like rise to the top, like in your impossible list and like, what, what are you trying to achieve? Yeah. So for me, it's not the year. It's not like, Oh, January 1st time to time to buckle down and, and you know, choose some new goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I always have focuses, and then when I complete those focuses, I take on new ones. So the the year is sort of um, not a factor for me. And it's funny because I'm reading this book called The Discoverers, mm. and the whole first chapter is about how we sort of started, like, discovered how long a year was and mm. got off of lunar cycles and went to sun cycles, and there was, like, no concept of a year before that. So, like, I don't know. It, it's always seemed kind of arbitrary to me, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm of the mind where it's, like, why don't I just – set a goal now mm. if it, even if it's like november 10th we'll just yeah, do it start today yeah so on my impossible list and this is a recent edition um there were two recent editions actually which i'll tell you about the first one was the last five completed goals and that is just to make sure that i'm doing stuff recently because i've always had this fear that i'll like get to a certain point and then like rest on my laurels and sort of coast on the success of the past mm. and i never want to get to that point like i always want to be like what I did last year was not anything compared to what I did this year. Like that's sort of my goal. Mm. So I had that there. That's near the top. But the top one is current focuses. So that reminds me, you know, I, I publicly state these are like the four things I'm focused on. Right now it's do a muscle up, which every day I do 40 pull-ups to get to that point. Um, self What is pull-up. a muscle up? Muscle up is where you start from hanging pull-up position. Mm-hmm. Pull up to like a pull-up, but then you actually go further than a pull-up and then like do a dip basically. So you end up so in you like, have like straightened fully... arms above the bar. Yeah. Yep. So it's oh, uh, wow. you need like a good high ceiling from the bar to do it, but they're they're pretty hard. And so I've been trying to focus on getting better at pull ups because I was always really bad at pull ups when I was in eighth grade. I couldn't even do one. <laughs> like I was, I was like the one. You're a tall one the, dude though. 
Yeah, I was a tall dude. See, was- I'm a small guy, so I was like one of the ones who just like did like a ton. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, he must be so strong." I was like, "No, I weigh like five pounds." <laughs> I like I felt so noodle yeah. arms. Yeah, there's those little kids who like could do twenty pull ups, and I couldn't even do one. My consolation was I could bench a lot when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. I couldn't do pull ups. So uh, I want to be able to do pull ups, and I want to do muscle up. Um, I have on there self publish a book, which actually just today, as we record this, Da-da-da-da. I put out my book. <laughs> it's finally done. It's funny. It says over 10,000 words. It ended up being 20, 26,000. Wow. So, yeah, which is funny when we recorded the episode last night about it. Like we said, 22 ended up at 26. Wow, dude. So you did 4,000 <laughs> more words between 10 p.m. my time. and Yeah. What I didn't tell you, there was, there was like an entire chapter that I had not written when we started recording at 5 p.m. Oh, really? So then, yeah, we finished up. I went to like this study room that my apartment has. And then I wrote that whole chapter. So, from the man so who goes done. to bed at 10 p.m. every <laughs> night, what time did you go to bed last night? 10.30. No shit, dude. So, in an hour and a half, you wrote 4K words? No, no. I wrote, like, 2K. I got up this morning wrote the other 2K. Ah. And then, uh, like, frantically edited, compiled everything, put it out. And that's why I was so tired when I first got on the mic with you because from, like, 6 to whenever we started recording like i had been just trying to get the book out and everything so you're saying talking to me pumps you up yeah it really does you just got a motivating face thanks man (laughs) i've definitely never heard that before i've heard people say andrew you know when i see your face i just really think that you have a big nose i'm like (laughs) thanks well they say that about my eyebrows so it's okay you have like, serious eyebrows right they there. Are, they are pretty serious. But I think the beard like offsets it a little bit. It does. So that's like one of the main reasons the beard is there. So uh, I'm not just like a blank face with giant eyebrow things. Doctor eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, to get back on topic, I, I choose current focuses and then I focus on those things. And I loved your Warren Buffett story because that's that's kind of what I try to do. Basically, the takeaway is, you know, you, you have a lot of things you want to do. Focus on a few. Avoid all the other ones at all costs. Yeah. And... Uh, you will make progress on those few that you're focusing on. Hmm. So that's what I do. It's not January 1st, focus on new ones. It's I'm always focusing on a few. Once I beat one or you know get to a point where I'm good, then I'll move something up to that focus category so and just stay on it. If we fast forward to December of 2015, and there's a long time between now and then, how can we hold you accountable Like if you actually did anything this year? Or if you rest on your laurels. Like, like, how can the audience be like, Thomas, you're a shithead? Or like, <laughs> damn, dude. Like, All right. So so a lot of the goals I have this year depend on other people saying yes to me, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is new. Because a lot of my goals in the past have always just been like, achieve this thing, which just requires me putting a lot of work. Mm-hmm. This year, I'm branching out. So this year, I want to start speaking, which means I want to st- I want to speak to an audience of at least 500 students. And realistically, I would like to do this at least five times over the year. Hopefully more, but I'm, I'm going to set it at five as a lowball goal. I also want to get a book deal with a publisher. So the first step has been publishing this first book. I can take the data of who reads it, who get, like the feedback I get from it, and I can take that along with my existing platform, go to publishers, pitch it, and hopefully get a book deal. Um, usually book deals are like, done over a year in advance so i won't say it'll be published but i want to have a deal of some Mm. sort um and then i want to have 50 videos on my youtube channel that would be awesome dude and i'm at 13 so it should be easy to get to that 
Especially but, if you do one a week, yeah. Yeah, there, uh, realistically, there should be like at least 70, maybe 60, over 60. Um, so we'll say 60. Yeah. There should be 60 collagen geek videos. And then we'll do, you're doing the podcast, we're doing all this stuff. So, uh, and then the muscle up, maybe. You know, that would be cool. I think there should, <laughs> I, we I should have like at least like a Vine video of, or something of you like doing a muscle up. Because there yeah, will never be a find, video of me doing a muscle up. I need to find a bar that's like in a room where the ceiling's high enough to do it. Sounds like an excuse. But I'm sure I can find Yeah, it does sound like an excuse. You know what? I will find that bar. Uh, until then, I'll just be doing lots of pull-ups. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's lots of other goals uh, that I think I'm on track to achieve here on the Impossible List. I think all the habit goals should be achieved in 2015 because they're all do X 100 days in a row. And all of them are things I've already done at least 10 days in a row. A lot of them 30 or more. So those will be done too. Be a lot of things. I'll tell you what. I, I only got myself through February, and I think I'm going to make them as I go. Okay. You know, so waking up, and then um, February, I want to finally, once and forever, and just be done with it. I want to stop biting my nails. Like I, I, I think oh. I come. Yeah, I, okay. I, I come across as I guess maybe very chill and relaxed and whatever, and I, and I, I think that I am. But all like my life's anxiety and everything that the like gets to me is channeled through like my fingers, which are demolished. So I'd like to not. I can I can help you start. Yeah. Why were you uh, a nail biter? No, I have no desire to stop biting my nails. Oh, so you are ah. So I, you're I am, actually I am more a similar nail biter. But for whatever reason, my teeth are shaped perfectly that mm. I do not get jagged edges on my nails. Mm. I can bite them like really nicely. So which looks like there's one I need to take care of right now. <laughs> um, Anna gets on me about it, but I, I just don't care. But in The Power of Habit, there's an example of a girl who wants to stop biting her nails. Mm. And he talks about like the like brain hacks that you can use to Tell defeat me, a habit like that. Yeah, because I don't know. Like, I know there's like this whole like uh, reward thing with habits. I, I'm not quite sure what the reward is for my brain of biting my nails other than like chewing on something. Like, I don't know, dude. Tell me. Yeah, I guess for me, like, it's funny because you, do, you don't often know what the reward is, but like there's that habit loop or there's the trigger. It's like subconscious. Probably, I'll be like lost feel in or thought. see the nail. Yeah or, yeah, or like you just check it out of habit. Mm. You have the craving like I want to – see, I think for the for me, like the reward is like I want to feel the nail be bitten off. I have a hunger like, only a hand can fill. <laughs> <laughs> so then you do it and I don't know. Maybe your nails are jagged or maybe you're like tired of getting weird looks in coffee shops and you're like biting your nails off, whatever it is. Um you notice the trigger and then you try to find an, a different outlet for the reward. It's like a different routine. Or maybe maybe you can do something that prevents you from, from executing on that routine, like putting your hand in your pocket or like putting it underneath the table or something for a while until you forget about it. So and then everyone in the coffee shop thinks I'm just jerking off instead? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. How many coffee shops can you get kicked out of in 2015? Three steps to clearing out a coffee shop. <laughs> Type into your browser www dot. No, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, the one thing I would say is read Power of Habit mm. because uh, bad habits you can't erase them. All you can do is replace their routines and their rewards. So uh, you know the, the underlying habit stays, which is why we have relapses um, and why we just you know get back into our bad ways when we aren't deliberate about it. Ready? Ready? Watch this. Do you think that we've given them enough to chew on for this topic? Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> <laughs> so bad. Okay. I saw the best pun ever today. Hmm. So on my book, there is like there's like four icons on the cover. There's like a brain, a coffee cup, a, a couple of textbooks. It makes sense. Like it's a book on getting better grades and studying. Right. But then one of them is a goat. The goat is there because I wanted a goat there. That's the only <laughs> reason. And I and I open I open the book with like there's a goat on the cover because it made it easy to start this intro. And also goats are smart and funny. And I like <laughs> them. And I, I must have made some goat puns. So the, uh, some guy read the book or like started reading the book, and he's like, "Really liking the book so far, man." Uh, or I think he tweeted it out to the public. He's like, "Yeah, I'm really liking the book so far. Um, it's great." I kid you not. Beware the goat puns. And I don't even know if he knew that a baby goat is a kid, but I laughed my ass off. <laughs> it totally went over my head. I was like, I was like, yeah, it is a kid. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Oh man! But hey, we go to go. I was gonna say, it was, I think it was perfect because we <laughs> ended on like two terribly bad jokes. So uh, everyone's crying. Maybe they car accidents or uh, you know. But, oh, I forgot about one big goal for 2015. What's that? Save twenty five thousand dollars. Boom, dude. Because uh, which. And now we can officially put into the, the Listen Money episode, Matters feed because you mentioned money. Yeah. <laughs> next episode, we're going to record. I don't know mm. if it's going to come after this one chronologically. It might. Um, but we're going to do this financial life for me. Mm. And you're going to learn about my retirement goal. But I will just say now, right now that it involves the need to save $25,000 a year. So that is a goal for 2015. So hopefully I can do that. Badass. <laughs> well... And I've just been re-reminded of my priorities. So when whenever money comes in for this month, I will have to distribute it to that place. Yeah. So uh, that is it for this episode. Um, I guess as a recap, if you're thinking about doing New Year's resolutions, uh, try what Andrew's doing. Do new month's resolutions. And actually, we didn't get around to the procrastination equation. There is a good section about the procrastination equation in my book. But essentially what you're doing, Andrew, is you're reducing the delay to the reward. Because New Year's resolution, if you're like, oh, by the end of 2015, I want to do this, there's so much delay to the reward that like, there's just True. no way to garner the motivation without incredible discipline. And the but thing is, I feel like they all compete with each other. So you're trying to do yeah. like five things in tandem, or maybe if you just did like one or two things to some like bookmarked whatever. Right. Yeah, so even if it's something big, like I want to speak at five universities in 2015, break that down into a bunch of small things and then pick the one that you can achieve within the first month or maybe a week, you know? Something where it's like there's a deadline and it's coming up fast and I got to get it done because mm. Christmas is not a deadline. No. Christmas is like a wink of the imagination right now <laughs> at this point. We're done with Christmas, right? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to buy anything anymore. <laughs> so anyway, that, that's our episode on the evolution of resolutions i was i feel like like make sure i say it right because i yeah. almost say like revolution evolution but no it's resolution so <laughs> uh if you get any questions about your own resolutions have building or money because this is a money podcast you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com and andrew will get your questions answered and maybe we'll even answer it on a five questions episode which we are going to do soon we are going to be yeah getting right back into those um you can also subscribe and find other ways to get involved in uh, more, even more involved ways, or you can just keep it at the subscribe to get the new episodes Monday, Wednesday, Friday when they come up. And all those instructions 
Oh, I was, was going to say on that point. So we had mentioned in the first episode that, um, you know, thoughts of a community, maybe like a mentor mentee relationship. And mm-hmm. I was actually blown away by the, by the amount of responses of people who are interested and I'm going to commit to like, there will be like a super ultra beta of something in like February slash March. So if this at all interests you, email me and, and, uh, be like one of the the seed members of what I think will be super awesome. Sweet, yeah. So that's a February goal for you. <laughs> well, I'm doing February slash March, so I could be like okay. a little late on it, but not okay. you know. Cool, cool. So yeah, um, all the information on ways you can get involved, including how to subscribe to the show and leave a review, can be found over at listenmoneymatters.com/get-involved, and there you can subscribe. Leave a review if you want to earn our everlasting adoration and uh, get a hug from us if you ever see us in real life. My hugs will be pricklier because I have a beard. True, true. Unless you're short, then you'll just like hit my chest. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a review which starts out uh, – the title of this review is Dude. Uh, <laughs> that's it, yeah. <laughs> Five stars from Chaotic Diva. And she says, this podcast is awesome. Seriously, I am financially stupid, and I swear I listen to gain so much clarity on things. Makes me feel like I don't need my financial guy. That's a lie, but I'm just saying. I love it. Well, thank you, Chaotic Diva. (laughs) I always make a mistake in reviews. You know what? Like you said, it's just the reviews. I I think it's just because they elicit mistakes in speech. I don't know what it – well, I think the reason is I screenshot at iTunes, and it's like really tiny type, so I can't even – See it. Uh, let's read the rest of it. Was this review helpful? Yes. No. Report a concern. I'm gonna go with yes. <laughs> I think every, yeah. I'm gonna click yes. So yeah, if uh, you want to leave a review, honest feedback, ways that we can improve. Um, you know what you like, what you don't like. Reviews on iTunes are awesome. They help us bump up in the charts and help more people find the show and learn more about money. So always appreciated. And if you want to find our favorite money management resources productivity resources, books that we use, and also a link where you can support the show just by clicking through to Amazon through our link. Mm-hmm. Then uh, head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. And that is it. Thanks again for hanging out with us. And we look forward to the next episode. Later, man. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show.